Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. From the Jill Schwartz Memorial Library here in the wild of Connecticut. This is Obscure, the podcast in which I read Jude the Obscure out loud and comment on it as I go. I am your host, your friend, your literary bond vivant, your amateur Victorianologist, your ear lover, your mansplainer-in-chief, Michael Ian Black. It is a delight, as always, to be with you as we plod through Thomas Hardy's Jude the Obscure. It is allergy season here in the wilds of Connecticut. You may hear me sniffling and sneezing as we progress today. But look, this fucking podcast is free. You can deal with my snot. That's that's just the way it has to be. If we want to keep on pace, I can't take breaks to be uh, sniffling and snorting and dehistamining. You just have to persevere. That's just the way it's going to be. Just as Jude and Sue are persevering, although their misery, I think, is more acute than my own because theirs is a misery of the heart, whereas mine is just a misery of the ear, nose and throat variety, mostly of the nose. Also, my skin breaks out in allergy season because I'm always touching my face. So in addition to being besnotted, I am also besitted. So when last we left them, they were having this little debate about the nature of their relationship, right? Jude was saying, hey, uh, like, uh, I love you and it would be great if we could do it. And Sue was saying, yeah, you're great, but uh, that's not going to happen. That's essentially what what they've been talking about for the last, I don't know, 300 pages. And he says, you have no animal passion in you and you can act upon reason, in the matter, meaning the matter of their relationship, when we unfortunate wretches of grosser substance can't. And we know what that gross substance is, right? (laughs) LOL, LOL. 
Well, she sighed. You've owned that it would probably end in misery for us, right? She's saying, you know, no matter what happened, it, it, it would suck for us if we got into it. So she's not willing to get married to him because it only gains social advantages and she's willing to do without those. So Jude fell back upon his old complaint that, intimate as they were, he had never once had from her in honest, candid declaration that she loved or could love him. Which is what I was saying in the last episode. She can't. I have my theory about why, but let, you know, let's just leave it there. She can't. He says, I really fear sometimes that you cannot, he said, with a dubiousness approaching anger, and you are so reticent. I know that women are taught by other women that they must never admit the full truth to a man, but the highest form of affection is based on full sincerity on both sides, not being men. These women don't know that in looking back on those he has had tender relations with a man's heart returns closest to her who was the soul of truth in her conduct. The better class of man, even if caught by airy affectations of dodging and parrying, is not retained by them. A nemesis attends the woman who plays the game of elusiveness too often in the utter contempt for her that, sooner or later, her old admirers feel, under which they allow her to go unlamented to her grave. So, he's saying, you know, if you don't say I love you when you die, I'm not going to be sad about it. <laughs> like, you know, it's like, you know, the people that I'm going to be sad about are the people who told me they love me, you know. And in Jude's life, unfortunately, there have been uh, very few of those people. I can't think of any. I mean, Arabella, in a, for a minute, when she was in her kind of lustful throes for him as he was for her, but we both know they, they mistook love for something else. And though we know that Sue loves him in a way, he needs more from her and she is incapable of giving it. Sue, who was regarding the distance. <laughs> That's a very good phrase. You know, she was just kind of looking off in her... Uh, just look, she, she was just kind of looking off and staring off at something, you know, that may or may not have been there. It wasn't. She was just waiting for him to finish speaking, had acquired a guilty look, and she suddenly replied in a tragic voice, I don't think I like you today so well as I did, Jude. Don't you? Why? Oh, well, you are not nice. Too sermony. Though I suppose I am so bad and worthless that I deserve the utmost rigor of lecturing. No, you are not bad. You are a dear, but as slippery as an eel when I want to get a confession from you. Oh, yes, I am bad and obstinate and all sorts. This is such a common tactic of hers, and it is so annoying that he keeps falling for it, right? She she starts self-flagellating. Oh, I'm such a terrible person, simply so that he will go, oh, no, you're not so terrible. Yes, you are terrible, Sue. You are. Oh, yes, I am bad and obstinate and all sorts. It is no use your pretending I am not. People who are good don't want scolding as I do. But now that I have nobody but you and nobody to defend me, it is very hard that I mustn't have my own way in deciding how I'll live with you and whether I'll be married or no. Sue, my own comrade and sweetheart, I don't want to force you either to marry or to do the other thing. Of course I don't. It is too wicked of you to be so pettish. Now, we won't say any more about it. 
<laughs> God, they're the worst. They're just the most annoying couple in the world. They really are. So friggin' annoying. We'll go just the same as we have done. And during the rest of our walk, we'll talk of the meadows only and the floods and the prospect of the farmers this coming year. After this, the subject of marriage was not mentioned by them for several days, though living as they were with only a landing between them, it was constantly in their minds. Sue was assisting Jude very materially now. He had latterly occupied himself on his own account in working and lettering headstones, which he kept in a little yard at the back of his little house, where, in the intervals of domestic duties, she marked out the letters full size for him and blacked them in after he had cut them. Remember, this is what she did at the little stationery shop, you know, the little Christian uh, shop with all the angels float, floating around, and she was, you know, doing calligraphy and selling greeting cards and whatever. It was a lower class of handicraft than were his former performances as a cathedral mason, and his only patrons were the poor people who lived in his own neighborhood and knew what a cheap man this Jude Folly, monumental mason, as he called himself on his front door, was to employ for the simple memorials they required for their dead. But he seemed more independent than before, and it was the only arrangement under which Sue, who particularly wished to be no burden on him, could render any assistance. And that is the uh, that is the end of chapter one. So they're there. They're in Albrickham. He's scratching out a little living, digging stone out of stone, making memorial monuments for the poor. And uh, it is a humble living with which Sue can provide some material assistance. But like the letters in the stone, the relationship only goes so deep. And that is the end of part five, chapter one. And I will go on to chapter two just after I uh, blow my nose. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. 
Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Okay, I'm back. We are at Aldbrickman Elsewhere. I like to think elsewhere is where we are. And uh, we are about to start chapter Dieu. It was an evening at the end of the month, and Jude had just returned home from hearing a lecture on ancient history in the public hall not far off. When he entered, Sue, who had been keeping indoors during his absence, laid out supper for him. Contrary to custom, she did not speak. Jude had taken up some illustrated paper, which he perused till, raising his eyes, he saw that her face was troubled. Are you depressed, Sue? he said. She paused a moment. I have a message for you, she answered. Somebody has called? Yes. A woman. (laughs) Sue's voice quavered as she spoke. And she suddenly sat down from her preparations, laid her hands in her lap, and looked into the fire. I don't know whether I did right or not, she continued. I said you were not at home, and when she said she would wait, I said I thought you might not be able to see her. Why did you say that, dear? I suppose she wanted a headstone. Was she in mourning? No, she wasn't in mourning, and she didn't want a headstone, (laughs) and I thought you couldn't see her. Sue looked critically and imploringly at him. Well, I, I mean, I only have one guess as to who this could be. There was only one other woman in his life. But who was she? Didn't she say? No, she wouldn't give her name, but I know who she was. I think I do. It was Arabella. (laughs) Heaven save us. (laughs) That's what Jude says. Heaven save us. What should Arabella come for? What made you think it was she? Oh, I can hardly tell, but I know it was. I feel perfectly certain it was by the light in her eyes as she looked at me. She was a fleshy, coarse woman. Well, I should not have called Arabella coarse exactly, except in speech, though she may be getting so by this time under the duties of the public house. She was rather handsome when I knew her. You're not helping, Jude. Brah, you're not helping. Just shut your mouth, brah. <laughs> in this moment, you don't, need, you don't need to defend Arabella. Handsome, but yes, so she is. I think I heard a quiver in your little mouth. Well, waving that, is she is nothing to me, and virtuously married to another man, why should she come troubling us? Are you sure she's married? Have you definite news of it? No, not definite news, but that was why she asked me to release her. She and the man both wanted to lead a proper life, as I understood. Oh, Jude, it was, it was, Arabella cried Sue, covering her eyes with her hand. And I am so miserable. It seems such an ill omen. Whatever she may have come for, you could not possibly see her, could you? I don't really think I could. It would be so very painful to talk to her now, for her as much as for me. However, she's gone. Did she say she would come again? No, but she went away very reluctantly. Sue, whom the least thing upset, could not eat any supper, and when Jude and when Jude had finished his, he prepared to go to bed. He had no sooner raked out the fire, fastened the doors, and got to the top of the stairs than there came a knock. Sue instantly emerged from her room, which she had but just entered. There she is again, Sue whispered in appalled accents. How do you know? She knocked like that last time. 
they listened and the knocking came again. <laughs> oh, it's like a, a horror film. Uh, no servant was kept in the house. And if the summons were to be responded to, one of them would have to do it in person. I'll open a window, said Jude. Whoever it is cannot be expected to be let in at this time. He accordingly went into his bedroom and lifted the sash. The lonely street of early retiring workpeople was empty from end to end, save of one figure, that of a woman walking up and down by the lamp a few yards off. Who's there, he asked. Is that Mr. Folly? came up from the woman in a voice which was unmistakably Arabella's. Jude replied that it was. Is it she? asked Sue from the door with lips apart. Yes, dear, said Jude. What do you want, Arabella? he inquired. I beg your pardon, Jude, for disturbing you, said Arabella humbly, but I called earlier. I wanted particularly to see you tonight if I could. I am in trouble and have nobody to help me. In trouble, are you? Yes. There was a silence. An inconvenient sympathy seemed to be rising in Jude's breast at the appeal. But aren't you married, he said. Arabella hesitated. No, Jude, I am not, she returned. He wouldn't, after all, and I am in great difficulty. I hope to get another situation as barmaid soon, but it takes time, and I really am in great distress because of a sudden responsibility that's been sprung upon me from Australia, or I wouldn't trouble you. Believe me, I wouldn't. I want to tell you about it. Sue remained at gaze in painful tension, hearing every word, but speaking none. "'You are not really in want of money, Arabella,' he asked, in a distinctly softened tone. "'I have enough to pay for the night's lodging I have obtained, but barely enough to take me back again. "'Where are you living? In London still?' She was about to give the address, but she said, I am afraid somebody may hear, so I don't like to call out particulars of myself so loud. If you could come down and walk a little way with me toward the Prince Inn, where I am staying tonight, I would explain all. You may as well, for old time's sake. Poor thing, I must do her the kindness of hearing what's the matter, I suppose, said Jude in much perplexity. As she's going back tomorrow, it can't make much difference. But you can go and see her tomorrow, Jude. Don't go now, Jude, came in plaintive accents from the doorway. Oh, it is only to entrap you. I know it is, as she did before. Don't, don't go, dear. She is such a low-passioned woman. <laughs> <laughs> I can see it in her shape and hear it in her voice. Well, she is, in fact, a low-passioned woman. We know that. But we also know that Jude himself has his own low passions. And I do not think Jude is entertaining even for a moment that he would go to the Prince Inn and succumb to those low passions. However, we know he has done it before. And Arabella certainly knows he has done it before, and Sue knows the same. So, she, Sue, is in great fear that there is another, a coarse, cheap, low-passioned woman who may take her Jude right out from under her. And in fact, Jude is under her at all times. We know that about Jude. She stands with her foot upon him, keeping him constrained. Now, 
Jude is as complicit in that relationship as she, of course. But when a low-passioned woman comes a-calling, he may be tempted to wriggle out from under her boot. And so he says, but I shall go, said Jude. Well, well. Don't attempt to detain me, Sue. God knows I love her little enough now, but I don't want to be cruel to her. He turned to the stairs. But she's not your wife, cried Sue distractedly, and I and you are not either, dear. Yet, said Jude. Oh, but are you going to her? Don't. Stay at home. Please, please stay at home, Jude, and not go to her. Now she's not your wife any more than I. Well, she is rather more than you come to that, he said, taking his hat determinedly. I've wanted you to be, and I've waited with the patience of Job, and I don't see that I've got anything by my self-denial. I shall certainly give her something, and hear what it is she is so anxious to tell me no man could do less. There was that in his manner which she knew it would be futile to oppose. She said no more, but turning to her room as meekly as a martyr, heard him go downstairs, unbolt the door, and close it behind him. With a woman's disregard to her dignity, but when in the presence of nobody but herself, she also trotted down, sobbing articulately as she went. She listened. She knew exactly how far it was to the inn that Arabella had named as her lodging. It would occupy about seven minutes to get there at an ordinary walking pace, seven to come back again. If he did not return in fourteen minutes, he would have lingered. <laughs> so he's going to walk down there and walk back in fourteen minutes and not even pause for a moment. I mean, I guess he has 59 seconds worth of pause in him before the minute turns 15 uh, when she should worry. She looked at the clock. It was 25 minutes to 11. He might enter the inn with Arabella as they would reach it before closing time. She might get him to drink with her and heaven only knew what disasters would befall him then. Why didn't she just go with him? Why didn't they just all go together? I mean, he could say, look, my wife, for lack of a better word, is going to come with us just to keep things on the up and up, right? I'm sorry you're in trouble, lady, and uh, you know I'll be happy to hear you out, but my wife is going to come with us. Like, that's all he had to say. What's the big deal? In a still suspense, she waited on. It seemed as if the whole time had nearly elapsed when the door was opened again and Jude appeared. Sue gave a little ecstatic cry. Oh, I knew I could trust you. How good you are, she began. I can't find her anywhere in the street, and I went out in my slippers only. She has walked on, thinking I've been so hard-hearted as to refuse her requests entirely, poor woman. I've come back from my boots as it is beginning to rain. Oh, but why should you take such trouble for a woman who has served you so badly, said Jude, uh, said Sue, in a jealous burst of disappointment. But Sue, she's a woman, and I once cared for her, and one can't be a brute in such circumstances. She isn't your wife any longer, exclaimed Sue, passionately excited. You mustn't go out to find her. It isn't right. You can't join her. Now she's a stranger to you. How can you forget such a thing, my dear, dear one? She seems much the same as ever, an erring, careless, unreflecting fellow creature, he said, continuing to pull on his boots. 
What those legal fellows have been playing at in London makes no difference in my real relations to her. If she was my wife while she was away in Australia with another husband, she's my wife now. But she wasn't. That's just what I hold. There's the absurdity. Well, you'll come straight back after a few minutes, won't you, dear? She is too low. <laughs> too coarse for you to talk to long Jude and was always. Perhaps I am too coarse too. Worse luck. I have the germs of every human infirmity in me, I verily believe. That was why I saw it was so preposterous of me to think of being a curate. Curate. I have cured myself of drunkenness, I think, but I never know in what new form a suppressed vice will break out in me. I do love you, Sue, though I have danced attendance on you so long for such poor returns. All that's best and noblest in me loves you, and your freedom from everything that's gross has elevated me and enabled me to do what I should never have dreamt myself capable of or any man a year or two ago. It is all very well to preach about self-control and the wickedness of coercing a woman, but I should just like a few virtuous people who have condemned me in the past about Arabella and other things to have been in my tantalizing position with you through these late weeks. They'd believe I think that I have exercised some little restraint in always giving in to your wishes, living here in one house and not a soul between us. Yes, you've been very very good to me, Jude. I know you have, my dear protector. Well, Arabella has appealed to me for help. I must go out and speak to her, Sue, at least. I can't say any more. Oh, if you must, you must, she said, bursting out into sobs that seemed to tear her heart. I have nobody but you, Jude, and you are deserting me. Oh, God, shut up. He's not deserting you. He's not. And if you think he is, by going out to talk to Arabella, dude, you better get your shit together. And I didn't know you were like this. I can't bear it. I can't. If she were yours, it would be different. Or if you were. Very well, then. If I must, I must. Since you will have it so, I agree. I will be. Only I didn't mean to and I didn't want to marry again either. But yes, I agree. I agree. I do love you. I ought to have known that you would conquer in the long run, living like this. She ran across and flung her arms round his neck. I am not a cold-natured, sexless creature, am I, for keeping you at such a distance? Yeah, you are. I am sure you don't think so. Wait and see. I do belong to you, don't I? I give in. And I'll arrange for our marriage tomorrow, or as soon as ever you wish. Yes, Jude. Then I'll let her go, said he, embracing Sue softly. I do feel that it would be unfair to you to see her, and perhaps unfair to her. She is not like you, my darling, and never was. It is only bare justice to say that. Don't cry anymore. There, and there, and there. He kissed her on one side, and on the other, and in the middle, and rebolted the front door. So now he has locked himself in. He and she locked in together. So quite a change of circumstances by the mere appearance of Arabella. 
they have agreed to marry out of, I guess, desperation on Sue's part, knowing that if she did not agree, he would at some point, if not that evening, then another, leave her. And she does not want to be left. And so she's saying, I am willing to endure another marriage this time to you. And she does say, I love you to Jude. But we feel, though, that it was perhaps coerced by circumstance, if not by Jude directly. He's using Arabella as a ultimatum. And so now they're just locked in. Uh, like like two of those big horn sheep that butt, butt heads and then they're just locked in and then they can't move and they tumble off a cliff and die. So that's a good time for a pause, I think. Back in a moment on Obscure. Guys are terrible at taking care of their health. It could be a knee injury. It could be something worse. They're usually more comfortable rubbing some dirt on it than seeing a doctor. Well, the same is true for erectile dysfunction. 70% of guys who experience ED don't get treated for it. Thankfully, Roman created an easy way to get treated online. Roman is a one-stop shop where you can chat with a licensed physician who can treat ED and ship medication right to your door. No more waiting rooms, awkward face-to-face conversations, or uncomfortable trips to the pharmacy. You can handle everything discreetly online. Just visit GetRoman.com slash obscure, complete an online visit, chat with a doctor, and if the doctor decides it would be safe and appropriate, they will ship medication right to your door in unmarked packaging. With Roman, tackling erectile dysfunction is simple. For a free online visit, go to GetRoman.com slash obscure. That's GetRoman.com slash obscure. For a free online visit, getroman.com slash obscure. Back on Obscure, just to refresh everyone's memory from moments ago, Jude basically just said to Sue, I will go to Arabella unless you come to me. And she says, oh, fine. And that, my friends, that is romance. All right, let's go on. The next morning it was wet. Now, dear, said Jude gaily at breakfast, as this is Saturday, I mean to call about the bands at once so as to get the first publishing done tomorrow or we shall lose a week. Bands will do. We shall save a pound or two. Sue absently agreed to bands. I have to look up what bands are. B-A-N-N-S. It's a notice. Uh, read out on three successive Sundays in a parish church announcing an intended marriage and giving the opportunity for objections. They're going to post the bands. It's Saturday. They got to get it done or they're going to lose a whole week. And uh, he's happy to do it. She says, we'll, we'll, save, a pan- we'll save a pound or two. Uh, Sue absently agreed to bands, but her mind for the moment was running on something else. A glow had passed away from her and depression sat upon her features. 
So now she's going to try to wriggle out of it. I feel I was wickedly selfish last night, she murmured. It was sheer unkindness in me or worse to treat Arabella as I did. I didn't care about her being in trouble and what she wished to tell you. Perhaps it was really something she was justified in telling you. That's some more of my madness, I suppose. Love has its own dark morality when rivalry enters in, at least mine has, if other people's hasn't. I wonder how she got on. I hope she reached the inn all right, poor woman. Oh, yes, she got on all right, said Jude placidly. I hope she wasn't shut out and that she hadn't to walk the streets in the rain. Do you mind my putting on my waterproof and going to see if she got in? I've been thinking of her all the morning. Well, is it necessary? You haven't the least idea how Arabella is able to shift for herself. Still, darling, if you want to go and inquire, you can. There was no limit to the strange and unnecessary penances which Sue would meekly undertake when in a contrite mood, and this going to see all sorts of extraordinary persons whose relation to her was precisely a kind that would have made other people shun them was her instinct ever, so that the request did not surprise him. And when you come back, he added, I'll be ready to go about the bands. <laughs> we'll go we'll go we'll go put the bands we'll go to the bands are you ready we'll put on our top frock and go and get the bands you'll come with me sue agreed and went off under cloak and umbrella letting jude kiss her freely and returning his kisses in a way she had never done before hmm. times had decidedly changed the little bird is caught at last, she said, a sadness showing in her smile. No, only nested, he assured her. Well, what do nests, what do we need nests for? Little babies, little babies for Jude and Sue. Folly little babies, for she and you. Little stonemason children, hanging out at Old Brickham, coughing up industrial fumes. She walked along the muddy street till she reached the public house mentioned by Arabella, which was not so very far off. She was informed that Arabella had not yet left, and in doubt how to announce herself so that her predecessor in Jude's affections would recognize her, she sent up word that a friend from Spring Street had called, naming the place of Jude's residence. She was asked to step upstairs, and on being shown into a room, found it was Arabella's bedroom, and that the latter had not yet risen." She halted on the turn of her toe till Arabella cried from the bed, Come in and shut the door, which Sue accordingly did. Arabella lay facing the window and did not at once turn her head, and Sue was wicked enough, despite her penitence, to wish for a moment that Jude could behold her forerunner now, with the daylight full upon her. 
She may have seemed handsome enough in profile under the lamps, but a frowsiness was apparent this morning, and the sight of her own fresh charms in the looking-glass made Sue's manner bright, till she reflected what a meanly sexual emotion this was in her, and hated herself for it. I've just looked in to see if you got back comfortably last night. That's all, she said gently. I was afraid afterwards that you might have met with any mishap. Oh, how stupid this is. I thought my visitor was your friend, your husband, Mrs. Folly, as I suppose you call yourself, said Arabella, flinging her head back upon the pillows with a disappointed toss and ceasing to retain the dimple she had just taken the trouble to produce. You remember she had this trick where she sucked in her cheek to make little dimples to make herself appear more fetching than perhaps she was. Indeed, I don't, said Sue. Oh, I thought you might have, even if he's not really yours. Decency is decency, any hour of the twenty-four. I don't know what you mean, said Sue stiffly. He is mine if you come to that. He wasn't yesterday. Sue colored roseate, roseate or roseate, I don't know, red, and said, how do you know? From your manner when you talked to me at the door. Well, my dear, you've been quick about it, and I expect my visit last night helped it on. Ha ha. But I don't want to get him away from you. Sue looked out at the rain and at the dirty toilet cover and at the detached tail of Arabella's hair hanging on the looking glass, just as it had done in Jude's time, and wished she had not come. In the pause, there was a knock at the door, and the chambermaid brought in a telegram for Mrs. Cartlett. Arabella opened it as she lay, and her ruffled look disappeared. I am much obliged to you for your anxiety about me, she said blandly when the maid had gone, but it is not necessary you should feel it. My man finds he can't do without me after all, and agrees to stand by the promise to marry again over here that he has made me all along. See here, this is an answer to one from me. She held out the telegram for Sue to read, but Sue did not take it. He asks me to come back. His little corner public in Lambeth would go to pieces without me, he says. But he isn't going to knock me about when he has had a drop any more, jeez, after we are spliced by English law than before. As for you, I should coax Jude to take me before the parson straight off and have done with it. If I were in your place, I say it as a friend, my dear." "'He's waiting to any day,' returned Sue, with frigid pride. "'Then let him in heaven's name. "'Life with a man is more business-like after it, "'and money matters work better. "'And then, you see, if you have Rose, "'and he turns you out of doors, "'you can get the law to protect you, "'which you can't otherwise, "'unless he half-runs you through with a knife "'or cracks your noodle with a poker. "'And if he bolts away from you, "'I say it friendly as woman to woman, "'for there's never known any, any known what a man may do. "'You'll have the sticks of furniture "'and won't be looked upon as a thief. "'I shall marry my man over again now he's willing, "'as there was a little flaw in the first ceremony. <laughs> "'Yeah, you were married. <laughs> "'In my telegram last night, which this is an answer to, "'I told him I had almost made it up with Jude, "'and that frightened him, I expect. "'Perhaps I should quite have done it "'if I hadn't been for you,' she said, laughing. "'And then how different our history might have been from today. Never such a tender fool as Jude is if a woman seems in trouble and coaxes him a bit, just as he used to be about birds and things.
things. However, as it happens, it is just as well as I have, as if I had made it up and I forgive you. And as I say, I'd advise you to get the business legally done as soon as possible. You'll find it an awful bother later on if you don't. I have told you he is asking me to marry him to make our natural marriage a legal one, said Sue, with yet more dignity. It was quite by my wish that he didn't the moment I was free. Ah, yes, you are a one-year two, like myself, said Arabella, eyeing her visitor with humorous criticism. Bolted from your first, didn't you, like me? Good morning, I must go, said Sue hastily. And I too must up and off, replied the other, springing out of bed so suddenly that the soft parts of her person shook. Sue jumped aside in trepidation. Lord, I'm only a woman, not a six-foot soldier. Just a moment, dear, she continued, putting her hand on Sue's arm. I really did want to consult Jude on a little matter of business, as I told him. I came about that more than anything else. Would he run up to speak to me at the station as I'm going? You think not? Well, I'll write to him about it. I didn't want to write, but never mind. I will. <laughs> End of chapter two. Well, <laughs> she's like, uh, if you've ever seen Les Miserables, She's she's basically, uh, oh, I can't remember their name, but the innkeeper and the innkeeper's wife, that merry, wicked couple, that's who they are. This uh, Mr. and Mrs. Cartlett, uh, late of Australia, you know, connivers and thieves. But there is a certain low passion about Arabella, which has its appeal. It is appealing in some way because she, unlike Sue, does convey her truth. She goes round about it. You know, she may come at it indirectly, but she could not have been more direct with Sue. And it's hard to not appreciate that on a certain level. I mean, she's the worst, but sometimes I like the worst, you know? She's all right. As long as, you know, you avoid her <laughs> like the plague. She's all right from a distance, uh, a great distance. She's a survivor and a striver. And both she and Sue recognize in Jude the same thing, which is what uh, Arabella says, right? She says, never such a tender fool as Jude is if a woman seems in trouble and coaxes him a bit. Well, isn't that what they both have done in their different ways? Arabella coaxed him uh, with her low passions. Sue coaxed him appealing to his higher nature. And both of those things, the low and the high, have very strong tugs upon Jude. One tugs at his mind, one tugs at another part of Jude. And we understand that because we're human creatures. And we understand that both of those impulses have appeal. And we need them both. And, and Jude is suffering for not having his low passions ministered to. And I don't just mean sex, although I mean that a little bit. But, but what he needs from Sue is that animal passion that he speaks of, not necessarily in terms of that gross thing, which he won't name, but in terms of her, and he says it just just giving him the words and reassurance, the directness of her emotions to him. He needs that. I mean, who's more sensitive than Jude? Nobody. Me. 
me. I need that too. Arabella could have given that to him, but she could not give him the other part of himself that he needs, which is the intellectual stimulation, spiritual searching, uh, which she's no longer doing because of Sue, but, but it's the same impulse, that idea of searching for meaning of higher purpose. So there's these two women in his life who both meet a certain part of his needs, but neither of them can meet all of his needs. So the obvious solution here is sister wives. Now, look, I get it. Like, that's not that common in Victorian England, but but it makes a lot of sense, you know, sister wives. All right, maybe that's what'll happen, but we'll find out on another hair-raising, ghoulish, low-passioned episode of Obscure. But until then, I wish you adieu. Obscure is brought to you by Earwolf. For more information on Obscure, visit our show page at Earwolf.com and subscribe, won't you, in your favorite podcast app like Stitcher or Apple Podcasts so you do not miss one exciting episode of Judy Obscure. Obscure is produced by Jennifer Brennan, Mary Shimkin, and Robin Lynn, who also mixed and edited today's show with music composed by Craig Wedron. Special thanks to everyone at Earwolf, especially Chris Bannon, Colin Anderson, and the Earwolf engineer team of Brett Morris, Sam Kiefer, and Ryan Connor. If you would like information about sponsoring our show, email hello at midroll.com. From the wilds of Connecticut, I'm Michael Ian Black. This is Tony Rodriguez. This is Carlos Santos. This is Riza Licea. And this is Oscar Montoya. When our powers combine, we are Spanish Aquí Presents. We have a brand new podcast here on Earwolf, bringing you the best of the best of lo mejor of the Latinx comedy. Join us every Tuesday as we chat about what's going on in our lives, Latinx culture, and ¿qué es lo que? Lo que no está picando. Lo que te pica. Don't worry, we'll tell you what that means if you listen. We'll also be joined by a new guest every single week. We'll get to know a little bit more about their lives. Every single week. Uh-huh. And then we'll make them sit back and watch us improvise their lives right back to them. Improvisation. <laughs> Spanish Aki Presents premieres July 16th. Subscribe now in Stitcher. Apple Podcasts. Or wherever you listen. Hola, Nezea. Spanish Aki Presents. <laughs>